Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast with myself Chris Tuck and the lovely... Hello, it's Beverly Ann. It is indeed Beverly Ann. <laughs> so today's podcast is Have You Got Five Minutes? And this came around, um, people just always asking us, Bev, don't they? Have you got five minutes? Can I just discuss this with you? Can I just have your um, view on this? What do you think about this? So we thought once a month we would just dedicate a podcast to have you got five minutes dash dash dash. Now we are talking today Bev about someone who's been in contact with you after attending one of your courses back in 2019 in regard to ACEs adverse childhood experiences now, she said she'd had time to think about what you have said. So it must have been very in-depth and very thought-provoking, as always. Um, so she's come back to you with some more questions. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? And this is what's going to be um, informing our conversation today. Yes, absolutely. And um, it, she came across some of the papers, etc. I don't know if you do this. I do that as well. You file things away, don't you? And then whether it be online, you file it away or actual papers and you come across it and you start reading through it. I know I do that with old slides sometimes. And that's what she had done. And she contacted me. She's another professional in a different field. And she just wanted to ask some questions that also now she's got some relatable experience in her own personal world and sometimes it takes that time to actually be able to be able to put it into context yeah when so, you come up that lived experience you can definitely put it into context can't you yes so she asked some other questions and i i responded and it was all around children grandparenting as a grandparent but children then in general going forward what and about so first of all it was about parenting so we're not going to go into that too much no. because thinking of the time um and some of the great questions that she followed up with because I mentioned that we've got the podcast and I got her permission so I'm not going to say names to keep people's um identity private because we you know um that's important but some of these questions that she came back with I, I personally feel and I know we've been talking about this these are some good questions that people want to ask and that's what we like about about this is conversation and not everybody is sure so unless we ask how do we know so what did she ask you in regards to children and being a parent grandparent what what are the questions that she's asked you that absolutely got you sort of like, oh, yes, I want to answer this. So in the background, it's based on about ch children having freedom. So when we were growing up, we would we would be going out of the house and not coming back till later. And are we overprotective? But then I was able to counter that and say, mm, well, actually, children have freedom in a different way because they have access. And this is something we've spoken about numerous times online and it's something that we need to be aware of 
So that's why I'm not going to go into that too much because we've been there. But I was talking about choices, etc. And she came back and she said, how does choice help build boundaries? Yeah. And what was your answer to that? How does choice build boundaries? Well, I believe because I've not responded to her. So she's going to be hearing all these answers uh, for her. I believe that if we are able to enable choice for children, even from a very young age, they are then able to learn what's important to them because they're thinking about what's right for them rather than just following along with what they've got to do. And for instance, my son um, at an early age, even at the age of two, always wanted to make a choice of what he wanted to wear. So rather than taking out the whole of the wardrobe, because as a mum, I've spent time washing, ironing, putting it away, what I used to do was take out two outfits and say, well, what's your choice? What do you want to wear? And even if you wanted to take something from that outfit and something from that outfit, fine. That way, he was making a choice and it was helping him to understand what was important to him in that context. Mm -hmm. yeah. When it comes to um, safeguarding children, how could we put choice or use choice to build boundaries and better protect? Well, the, when we come back to safeguarding, and this is something that we've spoken up about before, rather than just telling a child that they have to give us a hug, you know, we can say, would you like a hug? You know, you you can put your arms out and would you like a hug? They have a choice then. Now, if they say no, okay, that's okay. What they learn is if they say no and your response is out of anger or, well, that's okay, I won't hug you, then they're learning that, oh, if I say no, I'm going to get a negative response. Whereas if you say, like, even to a two-year-old toddler, would you like a hug? And they say, no, I don't. Okay, I'm here for you when you're ready. So you're enabling them to make that choice and, and, and understand their boundary. That response is really important because, as you, as you said, if it's a, a almost wounded, like, you're a child, I'm the adult, and I say, do you want a hug? And then you say no. As a wounded adult, I could be quite aggressive back in my verbal response and go, well, okay, well, when you want a hug, I'm not going to be there for you sort of thing. And there are a lot of adults that actually do do that kind of behaviour. Um, I've done it before myself, before I pulled myself up about it and understood that actually you're communicating anger and disappointment back to that child but if we want to try and help them build boundaries around this and have that choice and have their choice respected then we as the adult we need to respond in the right way and, and do it as you have described not how I've described and, and and I'm a human being you know please anyone listening don't think that <laughs> you know that I've never reacted like that but you know it's okay also if they are being horrible to say you know because let's be honest as much as we love our children our children can react in a way that hurts us 
and it's okay to communicate that as well it's okay you know so for instance if they're making a choice and they're saying some horrible things to you you know oh that feels hurtful to me that makes me feel really sad but I think again you're you're teaching them especially if they're younger you're teaching them that actually their behavior and their response to you can be hurtful so as long as you're doing it in a a way of teaching them that what they've done is hurtful that's all part of the learning and and that in my book it is really good for them to know um because how would they know about their behavior and it being hurtful if you don't actually tell them but tell them in a loving caring nurturing way rather than an abusive aggressive way yeah exactly and you know let's be honest our children get older and they become teenagers and yes you know when we're working because many of us are having to work there's extra stresses around and there are times we're human beings so this is no finger pointing because there are times maybe of an evening when I've had enough yeah yeah (laughs) go away I don't like your attitude towards me I need space (laughs) but again you're clearly communicating your needs and in that in again will teach them to communicate their needs in a more constructive way yeah and it's listening when they're in that way so you know they want their space okay You're making your choice. I understand your boundaries. Yeah. Does it mean? Yeah. So, I mean, we started off, Absolutely. So we started off really young. Um, and I think that's important because sometimes people think that we're going to speak to a two-year-old in the same way that we're going to speak to a 13 or 14-year-old. You know, it's got to be age-appropriate. Yeah, Absolutely. But we can start doing all of this from a very young age. So yes. going back to the question, what other things were you asked? Well, the questions actually lead on quite nicely because the next one is, does choice empower or does it overwhelm? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a really good question because yeah. I personally believe that um, I remember feeling or growing up and, and not having choices. That was either I was living at home with my parents in that environment where there was no choice. You just had um, to do what you were told, yeah. Yeah, um, and it was a case of survival because it was a to- toxic environment. Then going into a children's home, as much as I enjoyed it, you know, mm-hmm. there are some things that are become every day that you don't think about. And it's it's only as an adult in conversations looking back like you don't have the opportunity to lay in well in in my day in our children's home you had to be up to get ready to have breakfast at a certain time so there was all of these expectations and rules in place that couldn't be breached yeah and and I understand why when you've got 18 children in a household you know there has to be that order yeah but in a normal if or say in an everyday household you know if you're 13 14 and it's a Sunday morning and you don't want breakfast generally not in every household generally it's like okay stay in bed yeah so um I grew up without choice so I am a big advocate about 
giving choice. And I personally believe that if we enable people to have choice, it empowers them to learn what's important for them. However, it's also being aware of being age-related and does it overwhelm. So there are some scenarios that um, if the choice is too vast, Mm -hmm. so let's have a think, you know, like food-wise, let's be honest, if we've got a young child and we're saying, well, what do you want to eat? That can sometimes be very overwhelming. So if we're breaking it down, and I'm trying to bring it down so it's simple, um, if we bring it down so it's a smaller choice, as in, oh, we're going to have dinner tonight, would you like this or would you like that? Yeah, so a spaghetti bolognese or a shepherd's pie because it's all mince-based because we're having mince tonight. Which one do you want? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be very simple. Um, I also think even as adults when uh, we've had participants on a course and I say, you say, you have choice. The amount of adults that look at us as if we just spoken a foreign language Mm. for them is amazing because a lot of people because they haven't had choice throughout their life think that they don't have a choice and when you say that to them and give them the option of a b or c they really can't deal with that it's overwhelming for them so even though we're saying um it's got to be age appropriate some adults don't even understand or know that they have choice as an adult. They don't have to, for example, stay in a toxic relationship. As an adult, you do have choice because they've been brought up in a certain way like us where we didn't have choice and we had to do as we were told because we were abused if we did or we didn't. Um, that has carried on for them in their, as young people and as young adults and even now sitting in a room in front of us, they still feel constrained by their lived experiences today. And they not have never experienced choice and still don't feel like they have choice. And most of them do. And once you've explained and they come around to the concept, they can grasp it and move on with it. But if people are still in abusive situations right now, they may not have choice. Um, that is tangible. However, they could work with outside agencies to get that choice to be actionable, i.e. leaving an abusive relationship. They might not see how they can do it, but with help and support and guidance from professionals, that can become a reality for them. Absolutely. And I remember um, when I very much felt overwhelmed and I was being I was being given a choice of something really lovely to go somewhere or not and I remember getting the phone call and it was after I got divorced and it was like would you like to go and I was like whoa let me come back to you and I literally had to go for a walk and think about it and then think okay what are your choices if you don't go, how will mm-hmm. you feel? Yeah. And if you do go, how will you feel? Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, so you've got both choices. 
if you choose not to go, who will you blame? And if you do choose choose to go and you don't enjoy it, who will you blame? And I was like, mm, well, myself in both. <laughs> in both. Yeah. Okay. So what is it you want to do? And yeah. when I realised there was going to be no comeback, then it was a safe place and a safe choice, I was able to make that choice and then I was, carry on from there. I was going to say a lot of what you've just said comes from a place of fear and yes. not understanding or at that moment in time because you recoiled and you was like, ooh, don't know about this. It's just like you're fearful of not understanding the... Um, the parameters around each choice but once you actually logically sat back and looked at your choices and that there was no um comeback other than yourself and it was safe for you to make those decisions you were able to do that so I think there's a lot of unpicking and learning in all of this absolutely you know so I'm a big believer you know go back to schools yes we can't allow it, I say can't, most children don't have an input into their infants or juniors, you know, because age-related, that, you know, what it do doesn't happen like that. So we don't say to our children, what infant school would you like to go to? Generically, it tends to happen. However, when it came to senior school, I very much um, wanted, an imp- wanted my children to make that choice because... You know, it's about how do they learn? How do they learn? And, you know, um, one of my siblings wanted to go to school A and I said, like, okay, but you also need to look at another school. So you've got something to compare. I don't care which school it is. You know, I want you to have a choice. And even back then, ironically after they looked at another school to compare they decided to go to school b and they felt that school a wasn't right for them and they actually did you know they enjoyed the school my other um i said sibling my other child child (laughs) (laughs) my other child um when they made their decision they actually didn't get the first choice or the second choice, they got the third choice. And it took a while to settle in. But when they did, they did extremely well. Mm-hmm. And they got the best from it. So it, I've always been a big advocate of enabling my children to have the choice where it's possible. And I think it's very important for children where possible. Yeah, because it, it's not always possible, is it? You know, when they're hmm. um, in a in a place or something's going to put them in danger you don't always have the time <laughs> to no. give them the choice it's like a no's a no you know that's it you, you you we don't want you doing that and we don't want to put you in danger so a no's a no um going back to that question from that lady about um a plane outside when we spoke off camera about this um, the lady was saying, wasn't she, that um, it's uh, it's safer to be indoors. So that's why a lot of parents like their children to be indoors. And what did you say to me about being online? Well, if your child's indoors and they're at home and they're online, they've actually got access to a wider place than they have 
if they were outside. So think of a scenario. If I was to, I, I live in a close. So at an age appropriate time, I would allow my child to play outside, but I'd be watching. Yeah. Now yeah. that's scary. And as I used to say to my children, any decision I make, I have to be comfortable with that because I know that I can't stop you from doing things, but I have to be able to live with the consequences regard whatever way they are. So God forbid something horrible happened. I have to know that I was comfortable with the choice I made at that time on behalf of their safety because it, mm -hmm. it goes both ways. But sometimes because we have our children indoors, we believe oh, they're in, in the house. They're upstairs so, in their bedroom. No harm's going to come to them. No, they're playing a the game. They're online. They're fine. And sadly, that's not always true. Now, as we always say, and this isn't about witch hunting, it's about being aware. Because, you know, I know I know. even a conversation the other day, someone bought their five-year-old daughter an iPhone 12. Right. Now, I straight away, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, why? And then they were a little bit upset because she'd lost it within an hour of receiving yeah. it. And But when you look at it, it's a mini computer. Mm -hmm. She's got access to everything. And, yes, there are parental locks, etc. but it's still very scary because what you're accessing, you open the door the to everything, world, the whole you? world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And to be blunt, Bev, there are many parents who don't know about parent locks and don't screen what their children are looking at. They just don't. I know I was one of them. Yeah. yeah. My children are a lot older now, but even um, as they were growing up, my son would say, I'm just playing this game, mum. And I'll go, oh, OK, what age is it? And he'd go to me at 15 and he'd be 14 or 13. I'll go, OK, that's all right. And then when he was 15, uh, what what age is the, is the game? Oh, it's an 18. And I go, oh, you know, he's a sensible lad. He'd be all right. So he was playing. So I know for a fact that if I'm doing it and I'm a very um, risk-adverse person and if I was to describe my parenting over the years, I would say wrap my children up in cotton wool. That would be me. I would be over-cautious about everything and anything to try and minimise them coming to harm. So I was a bit blasé when it comes to things like their games because they're sensible children. But there are so many parents out there that don't know about the risks, they don't know about controls, and they would never ask their children, what are you up to, who are you speaking to? And in all fairness, that context of game, <laughs> you know, I remember a scenario, you know, talking about, video games etc and they're more online now but even back then when you bought the cassettes it's it's different now because age <laughs> but, dinosaurs <laughs> but I remember going to a friend's with my one of my children and with their game and um my friend's husband was playing the game and afterwards he was recalling all this stuff and I was like what are you talking about? He's yeah. like, oh, the game they play is really, really good. And I'm like, what? 
And I was shocked because... About the like, contents. Yeah, it because the word game... Yeah, I didn't it, it didn't even trigger. I would never have let my son watch an eighteen-year-old film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it really hadn't resonated with resonated you. because it was a game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, and so I was always aware there. But when it came to also online, so MSN, and <laughs> always showing where dinosaurs. <laughs> Um, I educated myself mm-hmm. on having a look at the chats. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. However, yeah. when my children realised that I could access it, they were one step ahead because it was yeah. always so easy. Yeah. Um, and there was another thing, Bebo or something like that before Facebook. I know, that's where we're going. And... They did that thing where it was just there on the screen. And we're talking about computers here, not even laptops or phones. We're talking about the big computer <laughs> that took up the whole unit. Um, so, yeah, it was. it's about educating. And, yes, it's good to give them choice. But when we talk about boundaries, it's also good, I, I believe, for them to have boundaries too and to understand the parameters so that they're getting choice within boundaries, which enables them to learn. Because the next question leads on really nicely, and we haven't rehearsed it to do this, it's just naturally progressed. Is it important to let a child know if their choice is not so good? I hear parents or teachers say, good choice, or it would have been better if you had... And I think there's a, I think there's always a place for positive feedback. Yeah. And let's be honest. Oh, I didn't like feedback, and even now there are times I don't want feedback. But if it's in a positive format, constructive, constructive, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we learn. If it's yeah. in a safe, nurturing environment, if someone's going to shout at me. Or I've done a whole big thing and they pick up on this thing and they home in that thing, micromanage, oh, that hurts. Yeah, yeah. There's there's always ways and means of delivery, isn't there? Absolutely, even from a young age. Yeah, yeah. And that word good choice, it's, again, that's subjective because is their choice good for them? But does mm-hmm. it impact somebody else? Yeah. So, you know, I understand why you made that decision to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you had a good time. But this is how it left me feeling. And sometimes, you know, people, our loved ones, make choices and you go, oh, why did you do that? So, again, we need to make sure there's no unconscious bias in the way that we are presenting, the better way of doing that is, oh, can you tell me why you made that choice? So we get their understandings. We're putting ourselves in their shoes for that moment to see why they come up with that choice because there's often stuff that we don't understand because we don't Mm. know the full picture. We don't understand where they're coming from and why they're coming from that particular angle and made that decision. Yeah, and, you know, another great te- 
um, way of saying it, even three, you know, don't underestimate a child yes. of three. They may not have all the language, but help yeah. me to understand how you might, you know, what was behind your choice. Yeah. Charlie and I were talking about this the other day about some of the clothing that she used to um, wear. And she was so awkward from my perspective back then with her clothing choice that I used to literally take her to Woolies and I go, right, you choose your socks, you choose your underwear, choose your clothing. Do you like this? Do you like that? What is it you want to wear? Because I thought if I got her in at the decision making process, <laughs> yes. she would wear the damn clothes. And um, so, like, so, for example, we'd buy some shiny socks that glitter on them, whatever. I love them, mum. Are you sure? Are you definitely going to wear them? Yes, mum, definitely going to wear them. So there I go, oh, go and put your glitter socks on. Oh, no, I don't like them. They itch. And I'm like, but you chose them. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not going to say that everything. We've all been there, haven't yeah. we? We've all been there. Yeah. On the other hand... Um, you know, when we're thinking about that age, you know, I think about how much trainers cost. Let's use trainers yeah. as an example. Yeah. So what I would say is, well, this is the budget that there is for the trainers, for instance. Yeah. yeah. If you want other trainers outside of that budget and you've got mm -hmm. some money from a birthday or from Christmas or you think you can earn that money yeah. doing something – Crack on. Yeah. That's yeah. your choice. Yeah. But And what we're teaching, because what we're teaching then is that's, they will get the, the consequences without us even having to say anything. Because if they've invested in into a choice, and I'm emotionally, financially, yeah. in you know, when they're older, if they choose not to wear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hit yeah. their pocket and they've had to think about it. Yeah. 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 So there's many ways we can teach children and young people about choice and boundaries. And that translates into safeguarding of themselves as well, because you're teaching them lessons of life, life lessons. That's what we're teaching them. Yeah. Yeah. So we've probably come up to our 30 minutes. Have you got anything else? Well, I have got one more question. Asked. Yes, yep. I've got one more question. And just on that, as you were saying as well, because let's bring it back to abuse. I remember it was only, and I've spoken about this before, and I'll speak about it again, as a um, teenager who was being abused by my father, by my friend, and it was only when um, Auntie Helen who ran the second children's home, sat down with me and educated me as in, you know, self-respect, I always have choice, consent. And even then, yes, it was overwhelming that I suddenly realised what she was talking about. But what I will never say anything horrible. Now I'd like to be able to say to her, thank you, because what she actually gave me was the permission to have choice so when I went mm -hmm. when I saw my dad the next time I was able to say no yeah and then okay the rest of it um dealt with later so I am a big advocate for choice a big advocate 
Right. The last question is, when asking a child about their feelings, are you inadvertently feeding them your ideas of how they are feeling if they find expression difficult? What's your thought before I say anything? That was a very long question and it's just gone straight in my head and straight out again. So, but my initial thinking is I think we need to make sure that we are listening and tapping into the child and what it is they are saying, not saying, might want to say. So we need to just maybe and listen. Yes, and but when I saw this, this also takes me back to when we went to Channel 4 and we were um, in the Q&A session and there was a panel and we there was um, Jess, the Phillips. MP, Jess yeah. Phillips on the panel, on the stage, on the panel, and she said it so well. She said, what is it that we can't ask our children about how they feel? Yeah. Yeah. What is Why it we're, we? What is it we're scared of hearing? And for me, that is the biggest thing. What is it that adults are scared of hearing when they sit there and they give a child space? And they might say nothing. Or how was? I mean, typical one. How was school today? Yeah, okay. What did you do? Nothing. So this is where I've always in, um, put in best and worst. What's your best of the day? What's your worst of the day? Yeah. Because you've given them an opportunity to speak out and then it's, it's there for storing, but they're getting to express themselves. And then I, sometimes, sorry. No, going back to those school conversations, you're right. How was school? All right. What did you eat? Nothing. Well, I'm sorry, you must have eaten something because I know you had lunch, whether it be pat lunch or a school lunch. So <laughs> what did you eat? So I used to literally drill down with the questions. So, yes, I am asking them the questions that I want answers to. But I, what I was trying to do was get them to open up and have that conversation by giving them a few examples. I didn't really want to know what they were eating for lunch. I didn't really want to know um how their school day had been like you know I did history and I did maths and I did English I didn't want to know that what I wanted to really know is who did you play with was you treated kindly and did you play with people and were you kind to them that's what I really wanted to ask yeah without asking it and and that's why I like best and worst even for young children and yeah. one of the best things about best and worst it's simple what's been the best of your day what's been the worst of the day and you know um my sister's granddaughter she's only 5 but just turned 5 i mean she even at 4 she latched onto that concept so that she initiates it and it's really great because it gives her the opportunity she doesn't like going home so mm -hmm. as adults, we realised and then we're able to vocalise, oh, um, my worst hasn't happened yet. It will be when we all have to go home. And then she was able to say, oh, when it came her turn, my worst hasn't happened yet. I could, you know, that kind of way. Not feeding them, but you're, you're enabling them, you're teaching them how to express. Yeah, yeah. But the hardest thing is sitting back and just allowing that space, not rushing them. Yeah. 
I always found that we would have that initial conversation. And when I shut up and was thinking about something else, like what we're going to have for dinner, you know, all the mundane stuff, she would then, or he would then go, bleh. And I'm like, <laughs> I ain't got time to listen to you now because I've got to cook dinner. So I just thought, right, there's the learning there. They're going to talk when I do this. So somehow I've got to change that up a little bit. Yeah. Or for some children, they may want to colour. You know, I'm a big advert for colouring. Yeah. You know, because it's, you know, what colours are they using? Are they using all greys and browns and blacks, you know, and, and, you know, today the weather is grey and I'm yes. tired <laughs> and we're yes. both tired. Yes. And if I was colouring now, my colours would be the colours. And then there's an area that you can ask, oh, you know, what are those colours that you're using? So we don't have to inadvertently feed them with our ideas. We can yeah. ask but mm. what we're doing is that we're encouraging doesn't always happen you know even when they become adults they won't always engage until they're ready but yeah. if you keep um keep as someone said once um, parent line um because i worked with parent line years ago and i said it's a bit like feeding a bird just put your hand out with a little bit of food, you know, just ask a few little questions and, yeah. and just wait patiently and allow yeah. them to come to you. And I, I've never forgotten that. It's like, oh, that's a really good scenario. Yeah, yeah. Mine always finds me when it's feeding time, always. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really see them unless there's an issue. You know, <laughs> Mum, can you do it, Mum? Yes. And for anyone listening as well, please don't think that we are the perfect parents, you know, 100%. We're given a perspective. And, you know, when we've when we've done these things, we've done it in, in a way with our best intentions. If I was to know what I know now and go back, would I change some things? Absolutely, I would. Yeah, absolutely. But life's about learning, isn't it? And um, putting right if you've gone wrong. That's yeah. learning. And being yeah. able to put your hands up. And Gabor Mate writes about that in his, his books about parenting, because each child is parented differently, not because we do it intentionally, it's because of where we are at that stage in the life and also where they come within the family. The family order, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right, well, we have to wrap up for today, I'm afraid. So I am going to say goodbye, everybody, and see you in the next Have You Got Five Minutes? And I'd like to say thank you to this person. I'll be letting her know that we've answered her questions and sent it to her. If anybody else wants to ask us a question, you can email breaking the cycle two step forward at gmail.com. The link will be underneath anyway. And we look forward to more questions. Thank you very much. Bye, everyone. See you soon.